Uh, number one, starting in March. What's new? Bible study. And what's the schedule? Pop quiz. Who meets on the second Fridays of every month? Girls. Girls. And where do you meet? Lauren's house. Okay, and then on the third Friday of every month, who meets? The boys. The boys. And where do we meet? Your house. My house. And then who meets on the fourth Fridays of every month? Worship. Worship. Hey, there's a worship night that you're invited to. I was going to make a joke, but I won't. So, uh, yeah, so, so starting in March, and then we'll do that in April, and then we'll do that in May, and then, as we said, there's going to be a bunch of babies, so what we'll do is we'll probably get creative in the summer. You know, we hit and miss. A lot of people are on vacation and stuff like that. So we'll, we'll get creative and we'll make it work so that we can still hang and, and be together. But uh, that's what we got for Bible study. And then in March, March 24th to the 26th, is what? Spring retreat. Oh, it's the spring retreat. Now, what you'll see on your, your handout there is there's a QR code on the left. You can sign up right there. Now, what you can also do is you can sign your friend up right there, right now. You can just scan it and sign them up and pay for them. Now, maybe you don't have the permission. Okay, so maybe you wait. Maybe you wait. Maybe you bring that to them and say, hey, we got a retreat on March 24th to 26th. I want to pay for your retreat. And then you scan it, they fill out the information, then you pay for it right there. That'd be cool, right? Uh, or maybe you just bring this to your parents and, and um, you get yourself signed up, okay? I want you to do that. On the right there up at the top, it's the there's an Instagram account. So there's pictures of you online. Uh, last announcement that I can think of or that I have is there's a cost of mentorship class next week. Okay, so next week, if you are interested in cost of mentorship, and let me just also put this spin on it. If you, so if you want to be mentored and you're thinking about signing up for mentorship, you should go. It'll be next door. We'll have worship together. Then when we split up, it won't be middle school going. It'll be mentorship going. If you want to be mentored, go next door. If you want, if you're an adult and you want to take that class and you want to just count the cost of mentorship, you can't. But if you're a student... And you maybe are thinking, I might want to apprentice in mentorship. Good. Uh, can you ladies, like, keep it down? <laughs> it's like the two quietest people on earth are making quite a bit of rackets. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So if you are a student interested in mentoring, being an apprentice in mentorship, you should go to that. So Ken and I did that. We were able to go through mentorship with Titus, and that was cool. Kylie and Naomi are doing that. Uh, Jade had an apprentice mentor in Tegan, right? Is that right? And that might be all. Is that all? That's all. So we don't know what we're, I mean, did you feel like we knew what we were doing the whole time? No, not really. <laughs> How do you do this? And we were just figuring it out. But it was a lot of fun. I, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed mentoring Titus. I love Titus. He's my dude now. Okay. I loved mentoring with Ken. Because that was a new dynamic to our relationship. Right? So maybe you've been mentored. Maybe you need to tell your mentor, Hey, I'm thinking about apprenticing. And I just want you to consider doing mentorship again. 
and let, let's take someone through mentorship. Or maybe you don't take your mentor into that situation. Maybe you ask one of us. Maybe you go up to Brock and you say, hey, Brock, I know you got a lot going on. I know you're mentoring somebody already. Don't care. Will you help me mentor somebody? Or you say that to Mitch. You say it to Rhonda. Or you say it to, like, tell us. We want to know. But if it's not a somebody will surely sign up to help you mentor somebody. That'd be awesome. It could be somebody from your school. They don't even have to go through the cost of mentorship class. Right? Seriously. I think, oh, like half of the people that I have discipled or mentored didn't go to any class. And some of, you know, Titus was around. He was around. He went to, he went to this church. So I won't count him in this category. But, you know, people disciple people from other churches. People disciple people who don't go to church. Mentorship is even more wide open for that. So maybe you've got a friend and you know they need an investment. Go up to them. They're not going to come to cost of mentorship probably. But you know what they might do? They might meet up with you in a coffee shop and go through some lessons. Right? People are, are far more wide open to this kind of thing than I think we give them credit for. So Marissa, just by way of testimony to kind of transition here, there's a girl named Marissa. She goes to Grandview. She was here on Tuesday. Some of you probably saw her up there in the balcony. So she is in my advisory class, and I don't know if I had ever talked to her really much, but we, you know, I work in the room, just talking to the kids, seeing how they're doing. Uh, and then and then she was talking about the Lord. So we were talking about the Lord, right? And then I was like, hey, we got this book, and it wasn't the mentorship book, it was the, uh, the gospel course book. Have you heard of that? The gospel course by Brian Clark? And I was like, hey... You know, you have to come visit our church. She was like, oh, okay, that sounds interesting. And she wasn't able to do it. And I was like, hey, I've got this book. And I'm giving it out to kids. And if you want to walk through it, it's got three lessons about how you get closer to God. She's like, okay. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. You know, kids tell me that multiple times every day. I'm like, yeah, that sounds good. And there's usually no, no response, right? Well, she, I had a some kind of meeting and I was just being busy and then she walks in my room and she's like hey I'm ready to do the lesson I'm like oh okay let's do it so we walk through the first lesson of the gospel course and it's about sin and it's about the gospel figure and and she, I was like so have you like you know is that where you're at have you given your life have you trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and she was like, I don't know. I want to. You know, I want to get serious. I want to grow my relationship with God, but I don't think I've done that. And I said, okay, we should consider it. If you want to do that now, we can. But if you should take this with you and consider it, think about it, and come back. And when you do, let me know. Like, I want to help and be part of that. She was like, I want to do it. I'm like, whoa, okay. Like, yeah, let's do it. So we sit there in my classroom at my big teacher desk. And she prays and she makes a profession of faith. Now, I don't know if she got saved or not, but... So it looked like it. And I sure didn't have to do anything except for invite her into some kind of relationship that's specific for ministry. Now, you may not know how to do that organically. I don't. Right? I'm 31 years old. These teenagers are like, yeah, I don't want to be your friend. <laughs> right? Okay, but if I say, hey, here's a we'll go through this book. You're interested in God? You might, that might be a bait you can use to catch a soul. Right? Mentorship is also one. And mentorship is more personal, probably. 
Does that make sense? Said a lot of things there, but uh, cost of mentorship is next week. So if you're interested, you should go to that class. Okay, any other announcements that I missed? We do still have Bible study this week. Oh, yeah. Bible study this month. That's this week, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Next Friday, Bible study, our house at 5 6. Yeah. 30. 6.30. 30. You, know, you can show up at 6. We'll start stuff actually at 6.30. I think. Really? Wow. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I know. We need, we need to just like... I'm there all the time. So I don't think about what time, yeah. you know. Like, I live there. So. Sure. Yeah, so 6.30 we're going to start. Show up at 6 and we'll have some food. I think we're going to do pizza. And then we'll split up guys and gals and we'll do Bible study. Be there or be square. Bring a friend. Cool? Any other announcements that I missed? Alright, I'm done talking. Now I need you to talk. And what I want to do is I want to finish up our conversation from last week. Okay? I just want to make sure we've gotten everything out of our uh, mind and heart regarding drugs and regarding sex. And if you have more questions then I want you to right now just be real bold and ask them, and the counselors will counsel. And then we are going to move on into the next portion of this series, which is uh, the world is broken. We're going to talk about culture. So what's the culture of the world? What does the world really mean? But let's do some Q&A. If you have questions, now's the time for you to just get real bold. we got time for, let's say, three of them. Three questions. And then we'll keep moving. Trying to eliminate the awkward silence as much as I can. It's for your benefit, not mine. I kind of like it. It's like my safe space. <laughs> okay, I have a question. Um, <laughs> She's like, please, anything. <laughs> so we kind of talked about like if people do drugs because of like being put on their life. But what if? What if someone says that they're just doing drugs because it feels good? Like, just because they can't? Yeah. Like, what do you say to that person? Don't do drugs. <laughs> hey, you shouldn't do that. <laughs> Anybody want to share insight? People doing drugs for fun because they are fun, I guess. You know? Mitch, are drugs fun? Yeah. Drugs are fun. But the price is too high. Mm -hmm. So they don't know what they're... They probably don't know what they're paying initially, you know. If they're your age, you probably don't know what it costs you to do drugs for fun all the time. It could cost you your life. <laughs> you get that fentanyl. Mm -hmm. You never know anymore. And you don't know if you're getting fentanyl, for sure. I, I, I realize it's like temporary gun.
that. But like what brought you because you knew, you realized you needed like Jesus back in your life. I mean, you know, had natural consequences were kind of part of that and so you're like, well, this isn't working, so I'll try Jesus again, right? Yeah, my life just completely fell apart. I mean why would you wait that long? What could someone have said to you? We'll use Mitch because he's 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 honest. What what could have someone said to you in the midst of your partying? Anything? You're just gonna do it, and you kind of just had to let your life fall apart. No, no, right. You get caught in a rut. You remember their numbers and they remember yours and invitations. Yeah. Yeah. So I think maybe you sum that answer up into they're partying to have fun because partying is fun because sin is pleasurable for a season, right? But you can still invite them into a different way. I don't do drugs, and I have a lot of fun in my life. So could I invite people who do drugs to come have fun with me? Sure. Will they always come? Probably not. Sometimes. I mean, depends on how many people I ask. If I ask one person, I'm like, well, (laughs) drug people don't like me. Well, maybe. Maybe you just need to ask a couple dozen more, you know? Good question. What else? Two more. Unless Rhonda wants to add to it. Most people try to make their dinner for fun. They never think it's going to happen to them that their life will fall apart. You know, they always think, I got this. Yeah. You know, they pray for them. To tell them how bad it could get isn't something that would make them go, oh, they got this, it's not going to happen to them. Right. Yeah. At some level, you can't do anything about it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's three areas that will tend to play. This is the lust of the flesh. That's what drugs are. Um, it's, whenever we have conversations with people about these things, it's not up to us to convict them. It's up to the spirit to work in their life to convict them. So whenever you speak truth to a person, the Bible considers people basically wise or fools. So the wise person, when you speak instruction in their life, they're gonna they're gonna change their trajectory. And if they don't, then they're a fool. So just you focusing on being obedient, speaking the truth, is what you need to focus on. It's not the perfect word or that you need to present things in a certain way. It's just say, let's say it the Lord. And if they repent, pray the Lord. And if they don't, keep praying for them. It's really that simple. You don't have to lean on anything other than what God told us to do in the first place. Whatever conversation it is, if it's drugs, sex, if it's disobeying your parents, whatever it is, God says something in the Bible that we can give them, and it's up to them to be a fool or to be wise to, to listen to that. Good. Good answer. What else? More questions? Two more. If you got them. If you don't, I'm moving on. Drugs. Yeah, they never had any drugs, they never 
Praise the Lord. That's good. Hello. Wait a second. That's funny. What do I do when I like well, now myself? Now I have a question. <laughs> That's funny. Any more? There's no pressure to make up a question if you don't have one. If there's not something that you know you've thought of or you can think of, it's okay. No worries. Give you another minute. Because sometimes when you're put on the spot, you're like, dang it, I forgot my question. I forgot that thing that's been eating at my soul for the last three weeks straight. <laughs> I can't remember it. Can I ask a question that I wish I had asked when I was in high school? Sure. What do I do if I like someone for when I like someone? You go kiss him. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys like people? <laughs> let me ask you this. Hey, let me just real, really stir the pot here, okay? Do you guys like someone who goes to our church? I mean, I know some kids that should be great, but I'm not doing that. And you don't have to show, but... Uh, I would say if you like somebody in this room, I'm really glad for that. That's probably a good thing for you. If you like somebody who's not in this room, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that because I don't know them. Right? Maybe that's a good thing. Cool. No worries. But liking somebody is pretty normal. If you like somebody, good. No worries. Now, if you do something about it, that's when you're getting into, I think, some gray area. Right? I've heard some parents say, like, you're not going to date until you know you're ready to be married. You're not going to date. You're not allowed to date until you're ready to be married. That's probably pretty sound counsel, meaning you're not going to get into a dating relationship until you know that what the other side of that dating relationship is, that that, that is an actual possibility. So, for example, dating only ends in one of two ways. Did you know that? Did you tell me that? I feel like you told me that. Dating only ends in one of two ways. You either get married or you break up. But dating relationships, and within that dating relationship, you can't... The Bible says it's good for a man not to touch a woman. So if you're touching on each other's private parts, you're in trouble. That's bad. Because you, you like it. And you're going to keep touching. And you're going to keep touching. And you're going to keep touching. Until you have touched, right? And that's forbidden in this time period that is dating. But when you get married, you're encouraged to touch. Touch it all. Touch it all the time. Right? Okay, but if you like somebody, you better know, okay, would marriage actually work? Like, am I actually close enough to that day that I should enter into a dating relationship because all dating relationships start and they end. And you want to make sure that in between starting and ending that dating relationship, you're pure. Don't freaking touch each other. <laughs> Don't let him touch you. Punch him in the throat. Literally. Punch him. 
going to punch you. Okay? But you got to make sure you get from the start to the end pure. So when should you start that? When you're 16? Well, how long are you going to date? Well, I'll date for three years because then I'll be ready when I'm 19. Oh, okay. Maybe you are. I don't know. Some of your parents got married when they were 19. Uh-huh. I got married when I was 21. I was pretty young. Right? We started dating a year and some. That's too long, bro. Too long. You sh- how long were you guys engaged in dating? We were engaged 75 days. <laughs> and you dated for what? Like Initially we dated like seven months. So less than a year, you started dating, were engaged, and then got married. And was it easy within that time frame to just not touch each other? No. Hmm. So a year is probably too long. <laughs> so there's different ways you could do it. I'm not saying dating's wrong, but I wouldn't do it if I were you. Me personally. I wouldn't. I couldn't. I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have. Yeah. But maybe you can. Good question, Lauren. Any other questions before we keep going here? Got y'all, got y'all flustered. Sorry, guys. So I was going to go to Kaya, and, and they're going to keep doing this. Sorry, bro. It's just what happens. Okay. Let's pray, and, and let's work through this. It's pretty brief, I think, and... Um, what the Lord has for us for this message. So let's pray. Let's pray together and we'll get in. Father, uh, we're talking about life and we're talking about our realities, like what we go through and experience and what we're tempted by and and what is available to us. God, as we just kind of talk about the world specifically and what it is and how it thinks and how we should respond to it. God, would you give us wisdom? Would you give these students wisdom to know how to walk um, in the midst of a crooked and perverse world? Um, How to think about sex. How to think about drugs. How to view the people who are doing those things. How to view ourselves if we've done those things. God, give us wisdom. Give us grace. Give us your perspective of us and your perspective of life. God, we need that this morning. If we don't have it, we're pretty hopeless. If we don't have your perspective, if we only have our own, if we only have our vantage point, it's so limited. But God, you you know the end all the way to the, uh, all the way from the beginning. I mean, you know how our life is going to play out, and you know how everyone's lives are going to play out. You know what the results and the consequences of our actions are. And so we just want to trust you. We want to follow right behind you so that we can trust you for the most blessing. So God, help us to do that. And help us to hear from you this morning in your word. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so if I said Egypt is a picture of the world, you would say that means what? Egypt is a picture of the world means what? Tell me. Hmm? The world is broken. Good answer. (laughs) Hit the next slide here, Dylan. 
If I said Egypt is a picture of the world, there's Egypt. I've never been there. Nor does that look like anything that I experienced. So how is Egypt a picture of the world? Explain what that means when someone says that. We think. What is Egypt? Desert. It's a place. It's an actual country. Yeah. What's its significance in the Bible? So it's bad. Egypt is bad. <laughs> what happens in Egypt in the Bible? Everything that is bad. Sin. Okay, so give me some specifics. Like some specifics of instances of stuff happening in Egypt. Like what? Slavery. Who was enslaved? The Israelites. They were enslaved. Killing babies, uh huh. Yep. Okay, so Egypt, and then you see you have that contrast between the Israelites when they're enslaved and the Egyptians and, and all the idolatry and the things that you're saying going on in that country. It's bad, it's bad news. And then they're supposed to get delivered out of Egypt into the promised land, right? At the hand of Moses. You say Bob? Oh, God, yeah, right. So God uses Moses to get the Israelites out of Egypt, okay? And that sets up for us this picture of Egypt being bad, right? But it's a picture of the world. You'll hear that. Egypt is a picture of the world. What does that mean? What is the world? People who aren't saved. Okay. So people who aren't saved are bad. They all worship idols and kill babies and enslave people. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Up north, that's what we do. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I'm, and I'm prodding a little bit only because I think this is something you hear often, and it goes in one ear and right out the other, and you don't know what it means, and it. Uh, causes us to have these false assumptions about what the world is. Okay, so let's talk about what the Bible says the world is. What does God think about the world? First John chapter two verses fifteen and sixteen. It's a verse that Lauren referenced a moment ago. It says, "Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world." Okay, so we know we're not supposed to love the world, the things that are in it. Right. The love of the Father. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So if you love the world, well, the love of the Father is not in you. For all that is in the world, this is what we're talking about, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Okay, so you've got this world, and in it are us. In it are the lusts of our flesh, the lust of our eyes, getting and wanting things that aren't for us, and the pride of life, putting ourselves above others and everything else, right? It's this magnification of self that this world has. But there's someone in charge of the world. Who's in charge of the world? (laughs) 
creepy. Yes. If I could just get audio clips and like flip them out. Satan. <laughs> Everyone whispering. You creepy. Yeah. Satan is is the God of this world. In Second Corinthians 4, 4, it says, In whom the God of this world, and what has He done? He has blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So you've got this world, and in it is the lust of flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, and over it is the God of this world. And what is He doing? He's blinding minds, He's blinding eyes, so that the people who don't believe, people who aren't believers, won't get saved. He is preventing everyone from turning their eyes to the Lord as much as he can. So, a definition to put all of that kind of kind of succinctly is that the world is the system, it's the values and people who belong to the God of this world, they belong to him. That perpetuate selfish carnal living. That's a big old definition. But the world is the system, values, and people who belong to the God of this world that perpetuate selfish, carnal living. So you know people who would be deemed, who would be identified as the world. You know ways of thinking, beliefs, and values that you could say that's the world. Right? And sometimes you could say, I live like the world. You used to, before you were saved, even if you were little. My daughters, all of whom are not saved, they're pretty naturally worldly. Flesh, lust of flesh. Just, just real easy, pride of life. Okay, so let's look at some examples of what this worldliness is. Just to, the first is this, the world says this about, about you. The world says that Christianity is restrictive, hateful, and judgmental. You heard? Have you heard someone intimate that that, yeah, I'm, I'm a prude, or I'm restrictive, or I'm legalistic, or I'm hateful? Or, this one is probably most common that I'm judgmental, right? You heard that? Judgmental. Well, regarding sexuality, what they do is they, the world says, you guys, if you believe the Bible, you're wrong because you're mean and you're judgmental and so they react to that and what do they do? They make love mm, subjective. Love is love. There's no real definition of love. I can say I love you and I can say I love Taco Bell and I can say I love my dog and I can say I love the Celtics and I can say I love football and I can just use all different meanings for one word. I can say that I love this other man and I can Engage in relationship with him. And that's love. Because it's just like what I would have with a woman. Love is love. Right? They've reacted to how legalistic and uptight you are. Love is love. Except everyone just how they are. I saw a video. You guys maybe know him. Jeffree Star? Is that his name? Jeffree Star. But what the heck is that? I didn't know anything about that until I saw it in a video, and it's a guy, and he looks like a girl. But he says, I am not a girl, and all these trans people are wrong. But I dress up like a girl. 
not like boys. He's got bright pink hair. He's this. I mean, I watched like a short video clip because he was on a football podcast, and the things he was saying, I was like, "Whoa, dude! Like, oh my goodness!" Love is love. He can do whatever he wants. It's good. He can he can love and have sex with whomever and whatever he wants, right? Don't your peers believe that? Don't your teachers believe that? I know that for a fact that your teachers believe that. It's all kinds of homosexuality and different sexuality rampant in our schools. The world says it's okay. Similar to that regarding liberty and freedom. Oh, so this is like, I love being American. I really do. I'm proud to be American. But liberty and freedom kind of leaks into our own personal lives. I can do whatever I want. You can't stop me. It's a free country. America. Right? I can do whatever I want, and I think that might be poking at the grace of God. I think that worldly mentality is poking at, it's tempting God's grace. So let's just talk about, okay, this restrictive way of thinking, you know, sexuality, or or this restrictive way of thinking regarding our liberality, doing what we want. Jesus says this, in John 14, verse 6, he, he said, Jesus said unto him, I am the way the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He says, actually, there's, there's only one way, okay? And it's me. I'm the way, and I'm the truth. So my thoughts, he says, what I say, I'm the truth. This is the only avenue of what is correct. This is that narrow path to living a life that means anything to God. It's through this, he says, Right? That's kind of restrictive sounding, isn't it? Because that means I can't do whatever I want. It means I have to do what He wants. Or how about John chapter 8, verse 32 and verse 36. It says, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Hold on. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. The world says, You do whatever you want, you are free to explore any element of your life, any of your heart's desires, whatever you want, you can do it. And nobody can tell you no. And I know that because my students express that to me. Right? You ain't my mama. Yeah, you're right. Because if I was your mama, your mama would be real ugly. Right? But you better submit. Ooh, when I tell them I have to train my children, they're like, train? Whoa, 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 whoa. Train your kids? You train them. When I tell them, my wife submits to me. She submits. They say, wow, no, she doesn't. Right? No. You're not going to tell me what to do is what the world says. When Jesus says, actually, submit. This is the way. This is the way. Submit, and I will make you free. I'll give you real freedom. Give you real freedom. So here's here's a key point. Christians have found true freedom by following Jesus. And your application is follow Jesus instead of your heart. 
Because I'll tell you this, I am much more liberated and I'm much happier. I'm so much more content and I think Kylie is too. Even though she submits to me and she submits to the structure that I didn't come up with, but that Jesus came up with, she submits to it. And while she's tired because she manages little girls all day long, she's pretty content as a cucumber, right? Are you? I should verify. You like me still? Okay. Yeah. It's tough, but she she does it God's way. And she's very happy. And if you have done it God's way, if you follow the way, the truth, and the life, you can attest to that. Yeah, I actually am liberated. I'm free from the bondage of my sin. I'm free from, from the bondage of having to rule and run my own life. It's not all up to me to have blessing in this life. It's all up to Him. All I have to do is submit and follow Him. That's a better way. I'm telling you, when your peers want happiness... When they want peace, when they want contentment, when they want, when they want purpose, when they want satisfaction from this life, you have the answer if you have Jesus Christ. But if you don't tell them, and if you don't show them, and if you don't let them know, hey world, look out world. Here's the way. They're never going to know it, right? You got the answer. Here's another thing that the world says. The world says things are hard, we have a way out. Life's hard. How many of you would say life can be difficult for you at times? You feel stressed. You feel anxious about things. You have decisions. You have responsibilities. You have things that happen to you that are hard and you don't like it, right? I'm going to put Dylan on blast. I'm going to put Dylan on blast. Dylan got in a car wreck. That stinks, man. That's hard. Airbag punches him in the face, right? That's a hard predicament. The world says, hey... I know it's hard. Here's a way out. Here's a way out. Medicate. 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 Go to the therapist. Take these drugs. Go to the doctor. Medicate. They say, hey, you just need some self-love. You need some self-love. Aaron Rodgers, if you know who he is, he's an NFL quarterback. Have you heard of him? Yep. He is the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, and he um, he went yeah he went on a darkness uh, retreat, which I guess means he locked himself in in a dark room with his thoughts, and he is quoted as saying, "He just needs some self love and some self care." And that's what he's going to receive from that. And you hear that at your schools. And I know that because I hear it at our school. And and I know that that is a common thing that they are funneling down from the top, from the powers that be, that might be the powers of darkness. They might be Satan, the God of this world. But it's getting from somewhere into your classrooms, through your teachers, through the avenues, that you just need some self-love and self-care. And I'm not saying that no one cares for you and no one loves you. I'm just saying, it might not be your responsibility entirely. That might not be what your initiative should be when you feel hardship. I just got to, I just need to love myself. I need to care about myself. I need these prescriptions. I need to escape. Versus, I, I don't think that's the answer. I think escaping is not the answer. Jesus said in John 15, verse 25 and 27, 
to 27. He says, These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. He says this, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. The Comforter is coming. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He's left peace for you. And the comforter. So you have a hard time. I agree. Sometimes life is hard. And it hurts. Maybe you didn't even deserve it. Maybe you didn't even do anything to, to bring that upon yourself. But just life happened. And you're bummed. Or you're down. It's important to, to understand that Jesus was telling the disciples this. Hey, I'm going to send the comforter and I'm going to leave peace with you. And the context of that conversation is that Jesus is about to give his life for our sin. So they're about to lose a very dear person to them. But he's also preparing the, the disciples for life after he ascends into heaven. He's going to go die and then... He'll be buried, and then He raises from the dead, and then He hangs out with them, and then He ascends into heaven, and they lose their best friend again. Right? And He's preparing them, because when He leaves them, what's going to happen to them? What happens to the disciples after Jesus ascends into heaven? The church blows up, it explodes, there's all kinds of people getting saved, it's awesome. And then what? Yeah, they all get murdered. They get tortured. Their heads get chopped off. They get hung on a cross upside down. They get whipped. Right? They are brutalized. They didn't live a church experience like we get to. And I don't say that at all to, to make you feel bad for our cush, nice... I mean, this is pretty sweet. We got a sweet gig, right? But these guys were being told in the, in the midst of what was going to be excruciating pain. Jesus said, hey... I've got an answer for your hard time. He's the comforter and I've got peace for you. That's the solution. He didn't say you need to go get a prescription. You need to start seeing a therapist. Again, I'm not saying those things are wrong. But the world says that's the answer. That's what you need. And I think that's wrong. Here's a key point. Things are hard. We don't need a way out. We have a way through. We have a way through. Life is going to get hard. You can click through. There we go. Life is going to get really tough. And, and God wants to bring you through that trial because He wants to grow you, because He wants to use that to bring fruit in your life. Whatever that means. I don't know. That's up to God. But He's going to bring fruit in your life, if you will just say, I'm going to just submit to what He provides for my comfort, what He provides for my peace, for my anxiety, for my depression, for this situation, for these circumstances, I'm just going to trust Him. I'm not going to turn to what the world wants to offer. I'm going to go through this, not away from it. I think that's what a believer is supposed to do, not... Not run from problems. So here's your application. Here's how you do it. Spend your attention and energy believing God for His comfort. 
Spend your attention and energy believing God for His comfort. In other words, when things get, like when, when uh, what is, what's the saying? When things get tough, the going gets tough, the tough get going, right? Okay, that's not it either. But when the going gets tough, follow Jesus. When the going gets tough, follow Jesus. When the going is good, follow Jesus. And right now, the going is good, or the going is tough for you right now. But, I would venture to say that following Jesus is not something that just happens passively. You're not going to just roll up to church, take some notes, have your Bible open so you look spiritual, you're taking your notes, and during the songs, maybe even get a little... <laughs> and maybe even move your mouth like you're singing. And maybe you get a real wild hair that morning, and you're like... Uh, following Jesus is an active, an active process. It's an active procedure. It's not. I'm not saying it's legalistic, and you have to check off these boxes. Did you wake up at three thirty in the morning? Did you read your Bible for four hours? Did you pray for another four hours? Did you evangelize a hundred people? It's not what I'm saying. I'm saying when you wake up. There's a decision. There's a resolve that says, I'm going to follow after Jesus. I want Him to have my life. And I'm not going to do it perfectly. You've not done it perfectly yet. None of us have. But you, you, you decide, okay, I'm going to follow Him and whatever doors He wants to open, maybe it's with a person to share the gospel. Maybe it's a door so, so that I can navigate my life. Maybe it's just a decision about college. Maybe it's a decision about a friendship or a relationship that you have, you have to be looking for doors that God opens. And you can only do that when you're trusting Him and you've surrendered your life actively that day. Otherwise, some choice will be presented to you and you'll take whatever seems right and natural to you. So let's just take school for example. I don't care what school you go to. It doesn't matter to me. I'm not going to that school. I already did it. I'm good. And I believe that you'll generally come back and see us sometimes. So I'm cool. Now if you go to like California or something and I never see you again, I don't like that personally. That's a bummer. Okay, but when you graduate, what I care about is that you don't just say, I'm going to do this because it makes sense and it's because what I want to do. That's so worldly. There's a better way. You can just say, I have no idea what I'm doing. And I'm okay with that, but I am going to just trust God for open doors. And as people, the people He's put into my life, give me counsel, I'm going to consider that. I'm going to take heed to it. I'm not just going to obey what Mitch says, but when Mitch says something, I'm listening. Right? When Lauren tells me I need to do this, I'm, I'm you know, I need to hear that and, and respect that. Because God put her in my life. Right? We didn't make any of this happen. The pastors didn't make any of that happen. No one made you get here, right? You chose and God orchestrated. God fitly joined the body together. So you're watching. You're considering. You're circumspect. You're looking for open doors. And you are reading your Bible. Hey, maybe you need to read your Bible. Okay, we're in high school. 
If you were in middle school, I wouldn't say, grow up and read your Bible. I might. Maybe. But you're in high school, grow up and read your Bible. I don't like reading. I don't care. Right? So what? Is God just thinking, well, man, ooh, I should have made it a graphic novel. Man. You need to read the Bible. You need to pray. And I need this. I, I'm sitting in the seat next to you, preaching to myself. I need, I need to read my Bible, man. I need to pray. I need to do that actively and not passively as if it's just going to happen. Right? Because the world is all around us. Always, constantly, trying to influence us to do what is carnal, to do what is natural, to do what is worldly. And we have to be resolved not to do that. There's a couple other examples of what the world says. Go get it. You know, make a life for yourself. You can compare that with Luke 12, 29-31. Or keep it concealed. The world will tell you, you, you know, you have this secret. Keep it, keep it in. Don't share, you know, what you did. I know what you did last summer. Right? Keep it in. Don't tell anybody what you got going on. Ah, that's not how Jesus thinks. But let's talk about how does, the, how does God feel about the world. Okay, so John 3.16. How does God feel about the world? He looks at it and He knows that it's, it's, it's completely opposed to Him. He knows that it is against Him. Because the, the God of the world is against him. And God looks at the world, and John 3.16 says what? For God what? God so loved the world. What did he do about it? That he gave his only begotten son. He looked at the world, he looked at you and me, who were who were children of disobedience, who were children, we were we were the world. And he looked at us and he said, I love you. I love you so much, I'm going to sacrifice everything to get you, to win you to myself. You think God loves your classmates who are worldly? Dude, I can't help but think of the girl who got up on my, not on my desk, but up on her desk and she's twerking in my classroom. Did I tell you that story? I told you that story. I can't help but think, I, I don't want her in my room. And I, you know, honestly believe that my room is not the place for her. I want her to, like, go get a job. Like, get out. Just go do something because you're not doing anything here. Like, go get get out of my life is my natural response. What's God's natural response to her? And the world looks at us and they say, you're so restrictive and judgmental. Oh, huh, wow. Maybe it's because we don't love the world. Maybe it's because we don't have compassion for the lost kids that are dying and going to hell around us. Maybe it's because we don't have compassion for the kids who are drinking every weekend. Because there's nothing else to do. Maybe it's because we don't have compassion for those stinky kids in our class. Maybe it's because we don't have compassion for the people who aren't like us, who, who don't fit into our comfort zone. And if they're not in our comfort zone, the two people who are in our comfort zone, that's who we talk to all day. Oh, i got to get through school, so i got my little bubble, and these are my friends. And after I make it out, oh, then I run home. i got to get home so I can be in my safety bubble. I'm comfortable again. 
And I only text the people who, who are like me, who I've ever talked to. And, and, and if I'm going to invite somebody to church, well, it's, it's that one, because we grew up together, and it's safe. Can I just tell you, bro, sister, let's break out of that. If Christ made you free, be free of people. Have His heart. If you don't have it, ask for it. Right? If you're not broken for the lost, that's okay. Ask God to be broken for the lost. Let Him break you down. Let Him break your heart. Because He is not sitting up there passively. Just thinking, well, this is cool. Oh, that was a good service. Oh, yeah, been down in Kansas City, Midtown. Oh, that youth group, that was fun. Oh, they have the lights. That's cool. Oh, wow. I don't know if he cares about that. You know? I think he cares about souls. So what do you care about? What occupies your mind? Your affection? Your time? Is it what the the world has offered you? Do you know the will of the Lord? Do you know God's heart? Do you want God's heart? And if not, you know, let's do something about it. So, here's how we, here's how you do that, and then we're done. Josie told me on the way in. So Josie and I we ride to church together on Sundays, and we were listening to a song, and she was like, "What's your what's your favorite song? This one or our song?" And she's referring to the Lion song. There's a Lion song, "Hell Lion of Judah." And I was like, well, I like them both. It was Gratitude and Lion. And I was like, well, I like them both. This this one, the, it's a quiet song, Gratitude. And so I like it to be quiet because it like, helps me to think about God. But I like the the Lion song because it's loud and it's, it's exciting. And she like almost interrupted me. She was like, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. The other day, I was listening to Jesus music. And she was like, and I started to like, there were tears in my eyes. I said, wow, that's cool. Why was that? She was like, because it was just just thinking about God. Okay. Right now, I think she gets it. She's not saved. I think she gets it. You know what I think she gets? I think she gets being open to God's heart. I think she understands being humble before Him. Being open and vulnerable before the Lord. Now if you cry in this youth group, that doesn't impress me at all. Like, plenty of people can conjure up tears. Whatever. But maybe, maybe the opposite is happening. Maybe you're so guarded. And I love that it's just our core group here. Like, I know all of your families. And a lot of you, I know your parents. I know them well. I know what's going on in your home, and they talk to me. And, like, I know all your dirty laundry. Right? So I feel like I could say this. Maybe it's time for you to break. Maybe it's time for you to let, let God break your heart. Because you're kind of kind of grisly. Kind of tough good with working through the motions but can't quite get through you know 
Where's your fruit? Where's your fruit? Where are the people in your lives who need the Lord? Where are they at? You know? Maybe generally, where are they at? Like, do you have them in your life? But maybe specifically, where are the people at this morning that you know should be here? I don't know. I'm going to pray for you. I'm not mad at you. I hope you didn't think that or feel that. But I, I am praying that you get broken this morning. Like, I'm kind of praying that God wrecks your life. In all grace and mercy and love and, and gentleness and goodness. But I kind of want him to break your heart. And I kind of want you to come down front at the end of the second service and say, yeah, God's breaking my heart. And I'm not broken yet, maybe. Or maybe I am broken. Maybe you come like a weepy mess. Perfect. Maybe you come down and you're stoic still. And you're like, I hear it. I hear it. But I don't know how to do it. And we just pray together. Let's just be broken for God. Does that make sense? Okay, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray that for you. And then we'll go in. Father, thank you for your word. God, thank you that it leads and guides us. Thank you that it is, a, it is the sword. It is the tool that we have to use on ourselves. 